when you just decide and you make the conscious effort that this is what I'm going to do and nothing is going to derail me, I'm going to fail along the way, but I'm going to continue to move forward. Welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast, presented by Exo Mountain Gear. This podcast and the gear that we produce at Exo Mountain Gear share the same purpose, to make you a more capable, confident, and successful backcountry hunter. This show is all about providing you with valuable information from experienced hunters. To learn more about the podcast or about our backcountry hunting packs, visit exomountaingear.com. Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode 173, and our guest is Greg McHale from Wild Yukon. Greg is a mountain hunter based up in the Yukon, as you might have guessed, and he has a TV show and so much more, which you hear about. What I love in this conversation with Greg is that it's about much more than hunting. Yes, you're going to be a better mountain hunter if you take into consideration some of what we talk about today, but it really just touches on life in general. And Greg has some fascinating experiences uh, before the TV show, before he was known for hunting, about adventures that he used to do and how those experiences have made him who he is today, which I'm excited for you to hear about. Before we dive into that discussion, I wanted just to send a shout out and a thank you to A Server for the iTunes review. We want to send you some podcast swag, so just send us your shipping information to podcast at exomountaingear.com. And listeners, if you want to be entered into these giveaways, all you need to do is leave us a review in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you might be listening to this, or you can always contact us directly via email to podcast at exomountaingear.com as well. We'd love to hear your suggestions, thoughts, feedback, or anything of the like. Also, in this month, May of 2019, as you may have heard on the previous Monday Minute, we have a new giveaway with Onyx Maps as well as Ivory Holsters. So you can win a subscription to Onyx Maps to plan for and execute your hunts this year in 2019. And you can win a custom Kydex holster from Ivory Holsters. If you want to enter into these giveaways, just go to exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast. Look for the giveaway link. It takes only a few seconds to enter. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I want to tell you one thing about it. There's a lot of information in here that sounds, you know, inspirational and motivational and all that. None of it's good unless you take action. So wherever you're at, find one thing in this episode that you're going to do something about to change yourself for the better. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Here's the discussion with Greg. Greg, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I appreciate you having me. Well, we're looking, uh, we're looking to chat today about some tips and some ideas that you have from your experience on being a better mountain hunter. But before we get into that, just for guys who might have context for you personally and what you're up to with Yukon Wild, kind of give us the the rundown on who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, so the um, the foundation, I guess, of of what we do is. It's called Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. It's a television series on Sportsman Channel. And what we've, we started, you know, filming a number of years ago, and it's progressed to, to what it is now. And, you know, it's basically, it's Western mountain hunting, uh, all of it, or most of it done here in the Yukon. And the, the style of hunting that we do is heavily, you know, the heavily predicated on physical activity and backcountry, you know, getting far, getting back in there and really just getting after it. Um, you know, the Yukon is an amazing place to be able to hunt and it's just a wild territory mm-hmm. and there aren't many of them left. And this is, it's a great place to do it in. And I think that the the way we do it is a little bit unique. Um, so it's yeah, it's 
we're really happy with what we're doing. Every day I get up and I love my job and it's not, it's not easy every day, but at the same time, uh, there's, everybody's going through the same thing. Yeah. And to be able to, to do it in a place like this is pretty, uh, pretty special. Right. Are you originally from up in that area? No, I grew up in Ontario. So, um, just about two hours west of Toronto. So if you're, if you're Canadian, uh, Ontarians believe that that's the center of the universe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, yeah, so I spent, yeah, I grew up there as a child. I went to university there and straight away after university, my wife and I, now we, uh, we left Ontario and kind of never to return. Yeah. Not that not that, you know, I don't I don't like going back to Ontario, but it's just completely different than the Yukon. The Yukon is a unique place and and it does have uh, special requirements, I guess, to live here. Mm-hmm. You you have to be able to to deal with pretty much anything that comes up, whether it's, you know, the, the power goes out for hours on end or the minus 40 in the in the winter uh, or lack of Internet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the internet's good so far, so hopefully that keeps going. <laughs> yeah, right on. So, did the did hunting bring you to the Yukon, or was something was hunting something that developed more as you discovered the Yukon? How how did that play out? Yeah, I I grew up hunting with my father. Um, you know, fishing was a huge part of of what my you know childhood outdoor activities involved. Yeah, all family holidays revolved around going into northern Ontario into, you know, what we call the bush and just spending weeks in a tent. That was our family holiday. There was, you know, there was very little of, you know, traveling to Florida and hitting Disney World or anything like that. We're, you know, that wasn't in our in our cards, really. Um, so that's kind of where it all started. I Grew up fishing all the time. I used to get what I called fishing holidays. And, you know, on a Friday, my dad would say, okay, I'm taking Greg and we're going to go fishing. And, you know, we would go away for the weekend. Um, my mom and my sister would usually stay home and it would be the kind of the the boys weekend out. So that's where it started. And then as I got old enough to get a hunting license, my uh, my dad and I started hunting together. And he did a little bit of hunting, but he was never um, fishing was more his thing. So that's where it kind of started the foundation of outdoor stuff. But then it progressed to, um, you know, the adventure side. I was always looking for the wilder places and just Ontario wasn't providing that for me. So I started to look out west as, you know, as a teenager, Um, I did a lot of traveling and just just. I was in search of something and maybe I didn't know what it was, but it wasn't where I was at that time. And I found after university, it was just, okay, let's go as far as we can to the wildest places that we can in our country. And we ended up in the Yukon. Wow. Amazing. And then just briefly, I'd just love to hear about the, you know, your personal hunting, you guys take this um, adventure to the Yukon in terms of basing your life there but obviously just getting into tv can be a huge transition so what's the brief story on kind of how that idea came about what your goals were with that and then how it's played out over the last handful of years here yeah i think it's 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 funny that you know that i've transitioned to television um (laughs) because i would have never dreamt that that would be something that i would have been interested in I think that you know I as soon as I moved to the Yukon I started to to work at my first job or one of the first jobs I had was with Arctic Red River so outfitters which is in um northern northwest territories in the west corner and so I cut my teeth real early on the you know kind of the sharp end of the sword as far as mountain hunting goes um so I really have had 20 years of this kind of hard charging in in the mountains and then you know I was into you know I did bow hunted and I you know harvested a number of big rams with my bow and I think then it just progressed you're always looking for something 
a little bit more and maybe I was looking for something to make this make this job harder I don't know but um, in a lot of ways filming filming does make it harder but it actually forces me to slow down sometimes too so it's the, the progression and how it how it came about was you know me and a buddy just sitting in uh, sitting on a hunt and saying you know we should f- be filming these things and that was probably 10 years ago and we started started filming and keeping it for ourselves and then eventually um the conversation said you know we should really be doing this nobody's doing this in the yukon everybody you know all of the other celebrity um you know hunters that that you watch growing up the yukon is always their or alaska is like their best show of the year and you know i moved away so 6000 kilometers from home to live and hunt in the best place i consider one of the best places in the world to do it and so we started thinking you know why don't we just kind of hunt the way we hunt and adventure race style and just try to film it and see how it goes uh so that's really where it started because it was like I said, watching the other guests or the other people that have television shows. If you look at their premiere show of the year, it's always an Alaska trip or a Yukon trip. And the business model is just there was no business model, but the theory is that well, if that's these guys' best show, why don't we just make a show where that's all we do all year round? And that's kind of how it went. It's awesome. So with you being based in the Yukon, um, what does, let's call it a typical year, but like what opportunities exist for you as a resident up there, just kind of a, on a year after year basis, or what do things look like with draws and just tags and opportunities for that from a high level? Yeah. So we do have a draw system here. So over the counter, you can, you can get a sheep tag every year over the counter for $10. And that gives you the opportunity to go out in any area that is not a permit zone. Um, But those permit zones, then you can actually apply. And uh, if you're awarded a permit, then, you know, you can hunt in that specific zone. But in the Yukon, if you want to get out and get after it, there's no problem to, you know, find open zones that have lots of sheep. It's just a matter of access to them because one of the things in the Yukon is we just have very few roads <laughs> and often accessing some of these territories, you know, remote areas require aircraft or there's a barrier to entry, which is, you know, either money or aircraft or whatever it is to takes to get them. So some of these permit zones in the sheep world are down in southern Yukon where actually some of the biggest rams are so it's it's really it's really great um and as far as sheep goes but everything else we you know we have moose and the caribou and grizzly bears you get a tag every three years um you know all these things goats you just over the counter tags and you just go and research and figure out where to find them and you can go out after it there's no you know there's no oh i'm going to put in for the draw for it 10 years and hopefully I get one. Right. That's just, yeah, it's non-existent. But the, the, I guess the catalyst to this is that as far as your hunting goes in the Yukon, the opportunities are great. We don't have as much game that some people think that we do. Um, like we don't, you don't drive down the road every night and see animals on the road like those that that's not really how it works and i think part of it is because when you're this far north the the winters are just tougher like we don't have white-tailed deer because our winters are just tough now and the and the deer don't survive so they haven't migrated up now having said that we are starting to get mule deer and we actually have a draw mule deer season now so because maybe the winters aren't as tough as they used to be 20 years ago, which that's a whole different story. <laughs> <It certainly laughs> is, yeah. Right. Um, 
But yeah, you know what? The Yukon is still, it's a tough place to live. Like darkness, you know, it's, you think that maybe the darkness doesn't affect, wouldn't affect you. But, you know, in the wintertime, when you're looking at five hours of daylight or, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's not an easy place to be. And then you add minus 40 on top of that and, and you go, huh, I really love to hunt, but do I love it that much? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I right. Imagine. And, and that's the decision that I made. You know, I do love it that much. And, you know, to leave those, I guess, the comforts of southern Canada to go to the Yukon is exactly what I, I had to do in order to be fulfilled. You mentioned hunting like you, I think you mentioned the phrase was adventure race style. Um, and this kind of leads us into the first of several points that you have on being a better mountain hunter in this series um, of videos that you're putting out about that. But one of your first point actually is just physical preparation. So uh, before you even dive into that, what do you what do you mean by hunting that adventure race style that you mentioned? What does that mean to you? So I um, I I grew up, I shouldn't say I grew up. I grew up at looking for adventure and I used to big wall climb um you know i've climbed mount mckinley and or denali and logan and some of these remote mountains here in the north and that was what i did for for a number of years um at a you know fairly successful level a sponsored athlete that way and then um the sport of adventure racing came around and if you're not familiar with adventure racing what it is is the sport consists of a team atmosphere where there's four members of the team and you get a you know you get a go to a foreign country for us because I, I raced at professional level so we would race all over the world and you go to a country and the day before the the race they give you or sometimes hours before the race starts they give you a map or a set of maps and you and a GPS coordinates and you have to plot your checkpoints on the map and then you go through this course and you travel around, you know, four to 600 kilometer or mile courses. Um, so these races, they take days and they all different disciplines from running, paddling, you know, it could be canoe, could be kayaks, could be, you know, could be bamboo rafts somewhere. Um, and, you know, there, and then there's ropes typically. So like there's mountaineering. These are all cross country races and you go from point to point. And eventually the last point is the, you know, the finish line. And often you're out there racing and don't see other teams for, you know, for hours or days. And you're on your own. You're not sleeping you're, or you're sleeping very little. And when I say very little, we would run the first 36 hours of almost every race without sleep. And then we would sleep for an hour and a half to sometimes at the most would ever be two and a half hours at a time. And then you get up and then you do another 24 hours. And then that's kind of the sleep pattern, an hour and a half to two and a half hours every day after that. So this is, this is the, probably the most difficult human endurance sport on the planet and it just relates to to life it, it really puts life into perspective when you finish a race like this and you've had to rely on teammates your teammates have had to rely on you you've been you've been through it all emotionally from you know elation to going to, you know you're going paddling a whitewater river class four on a paddleboard where you're scared shitless and then you get out and you know the whole team gets on the riverbank and it's like you look at each other and go wow and then two hours later you're trekking through the bush and that adrenaline dump just hits and three of three of the four of you teammates are like try almost sleeping while they're walking because this is day three of a race it's it really puts the world into a perspective of there is nothing you can't do if you make the decision to do it. And that's what adventure racing gives me, I think, just 
a life experience that until you put yourself in difficult situations that you just can't get otherwise. So I don't know that if that, hopefully that's what you're, yeah. you know, if that paints a, paints a picture of how we, how we can really achieve. It's funny. You learn as a kid cause your parents say, Oh, you know, you can be whatever you want. And to a degree that is not true because there are limiting factors if it's if it's physicality and you know there are things that you can or can't do and your body will tell you that but for the most part when your parents say that it is true like when you just decide and you have this focus and you make the conscious effort that this is what I'm going to do and nothing is going to derail me. I'm going to fail along the way, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to continue to move forward. When you have that kind of attitude and that's just what you, the mindset that you create, this dominant, I call it the mental domination. If you create a mental domination philosophy and that you live every day, you can literally achieve almost anything you want. You just have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to suffer. That's what adventure racing taught me is that suffering is the key to success. And if you can suffer, and you can put yourself in, you make the conscious decision to put yourself in difficult situations. Wow, the world sure opens up because it puts everything into perspective, whether it's, you know, your children driving you crazy at home or you had a bad day at work. You know, all of these things are just minor and you have better coping skills when you look at them like that road rage doesn't exist in my world but maybe because i live in the yukon <laughs> <laughs> and, and there aren't and there aren't any you know there aren't enough vehicles out there right. but at the same time it's putting these things these daily things into perspective and that's what adventure racing has really provided me it's provided me clarity of of where i'm going and who I am and how what I need to do to get there. And I'm going to fail. I do all the time. And it's understanding those failures, recognizing don't let it happen again, and not beating yourself up about it and moving forward. And I think that's often where we get caught up. But, you know, adventure racing is just such an amazing sport. And it's just a it's it was a life altering sport for me. Yeah, no, I could cer certainly understand why it was and hear your passion for it, for sure. I think it's so interesting these days that we have to you know as much negativity as there is out there about the world and how bad things are and yada 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 in the end we live in a time in the world where the vast majority of us um and not everybody in the world but i'd say the vast majority of us listening to a podcast like this we have to choose suffering meaning our lives are so good most of the time <laughs> That yeah. we literally will like pay money to go suffer through something. Um, and I think that's, there's such a weird dynamic to that. But it, it's, I mean, it's true for most of us that, yeah, we have hard times and bad days and not everything's perfect. And I'm not downplaying anyone's struggles. We all have struggles. But in the end, whether it's just from a, a physical perspective or just from a mental perspective, most of us, if we truly want to experience some level of the things you just talked about in terms of growth and perspective and understanding, then we actually have to go choose to suffer. Absolutely. Like we're in a place, you know, it is, it has never been easier to be a human being on the planet than it is right now. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you look at it as a positive thing, life is really, really good. No matter where you are, like generally, like, sure, there are people in, if you live in North America, We've got it real good. And 
it's it's perspective. And you you're right. We do have to choose. We have to choose to suffer to be able to experience things. And but there are very few people out there that are willing to do it because it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. We may know. You may know that you know you should do that. You know, we we all have the answers. We all know we should eat right. We should exercise every day, and you know we should work our brains. You know, continue to educate. And we don't because it's hard. We're getting we get fatter, we get lazier, we watch more TV, we spend more time on social media. Like all of these things are are you know dumbing us down to a to a, a a level that is certainly not what you know our grandparents lived. Right. I'm not saying that we have to that that our grandparents had a had a better you know a better time. I'm not I'm not one of those guys that looks looks backwards. I'm just saying that we do need to challenge ourselves. And if that challenge comes in the form of a mental challenge, you know, a physical challenge, uh, what whatever you choose, but you have to challenge yourself. And in the challenge is the reward. You know, that saying it's, you know, it's the journey is the destination is very true. And it's cliche and everybody, you know, it's very popular, but it's the everyday things that you, you do. You yourself, you, we just talked about before we opened, opened the podcast and you said that you, you know, you get up at five, just after five o'clock this morning and you got your workout in. That's not easy. You, you specifically are choosing to get out of bed and get your workout in before you go to work. Like that's the, that is, and, and there's no doubt in my mind because this is how I feel when I do that. I get up at my time is 4.30 a.m. every morning. When I get out of bed, and these are just mental games that I play with myself and that probably you play with yourself to, in order to <laughs> be able to dominate your, dominate your mind. These are mental games that I use to feel not superiority, to just, just to feel that I am setting my day in the right direction today. And when you set your day in the right direction by getting up earlier, getting something accomplished before everybody else, that's how I look at it. Mm. And sure, there are other people up there at 4.30 in the morning. Um, but the vast majority of people are not interested in you know, putting in the hard effort. And don't get me wrong, not everybody is built to get up at 4.30 in the morning. I, but... It's just the it's the work that you put in to whatever it is. That's what you get out in the end. Um, am am I correct in your in the assumption that you know that you feel better in the morning when you get up earlier? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's still uh, as you said, it's still a battle. It's not always like I'm super excited to get up at five and go do something difficult. But I will say that when you make that a part of your life over time the value that comes from that is is something that you never want to give up. And so even though it, it would be much more comfortable to sleep in or to not push yourself or something, what you've reaped from doing the hard work is, yeah, it's just much more valuable than the comfort of not doing that work or not enduring that challenge, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, 100%. That's, that's exactly how I how I look at it and I look at it as setting my day, setting my day in a direction that I want it to go. Um, that's, you know, I wish somebody would create an app that, you know, that when your alarm goes off, that if you hit the snooze button, you know, your, your phone burns up, (laughs) you know, so that it, it would just, you know, you're, like the the mission impossible your your phone self destructs <laughs> yeah. so you know nobody would ever hit that snooze button right they would get up and get out of bed and it would never happen because we can't be without our phones so um but so if you do build that give me a call cuz I'll be your uh, first client um <laughs> yeah no it's just it's 
setting your setting your day in a positive direction is such a benefit that I can't it, you know I can't relay enough. It just has really worked for me, and I think that if if you are a morning person at all, um, it will absolutely work for you. And if you're not a morning person, you're just going to have to work at it. Uh, now. I also used to work shift work because I used to be a member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and that's a different battle. When you're talking about people that work shift work, that's uh, this this philosophy doesn't necessarily work. Um, but at this at the the same time, it's uh, it it certainly works for me, and I think that it would work for others. And it doesn't have to be four thirty; it could be five thirty; it could be whatever it is. But just start your day off with um, you know glass of water, some physical exercise, and with an attitude that you're going to dominate. Yeah, for sure. So, um, the first point of the seven that you're releasing in the series about being a best mountain hunter, we talked a bit about physical prep. Obviously that's covered in everything we just talked about. I'm just curious, like you mentioned at times of the year, you have five hours of daylight, you have negative 40 temps or what have you. How do you train in those parts of the year or in let's call it the off season despite those, uh, I would say difficulties that, you know, would make it, yeah, just really, really difficult to train. I'm, I'm, it's funny. We actually, I just got an email from a guy yesterday. We actually give away a free training program. And one of the movements in there is something that's not difficult at all to do. Uh, physically it's not difficult, but it's, I would say it's inconvenient to do it like a globo gym type thing. And he, he works out at a commercial gym and it was just really curious to me, and that's not to fault this guy at all, but it was really curious to me how quick it sounded like he was trying to come up with an excuse why he couldn't do this because he he worked out at a commercial gym and it's difficult to do this movement or this exercise. And so I told him how I do it and it's really easy and you don't have to do it at the gym and you can go to um, an empty parking lot and do this or something. And then I'm hearing somebody like you who has little daylight, who has crazy cold temps. And so in this whole physical piece is just, it's really easy to make excuses on why it's difficult, but I'm just like, practically, how do you train in that time of year? What are some of the things that you do? So I, all year round, I do not change my regimen. Um, and this this comes back to the mental domination. Okay. So I, if it's minus 40 and I'm scheduled to run for two hours, um, I'm outside running. And if it's, if, you know, in two hours, if you do it in the morning, guaranteed you're doing it by head torch. So you're running on the snow in the dark for two four hours, whatever, whatever that training day dictates at whatever temp is going on out there. There is no, there is no stop. There is no, um, you just make the decision. You dominate yourself. You prepare yourself. Cause I've lived here long enough. Like, you know, it's, it's the, one of the biggest questions that I get is, wow, at minus 40, how do you run? Don't your lungs freeze? The, the answer is uh, no. People use that analogy of the freezing the lungs. Oh, you don't want to do it because your lungs might freeze because they don't want to do the hard work. They want an excuse. They want exactly what you just described uh, that that fellow is doing. We are all soft. We are looking for excuses to make life easy. And sure, it would be easy to turn on the lights and run on the treadmill, which I do a lot of. Um, as well, because there are specific training things that I need to um, need to get, like speed work. It's really difficult to get speed work in on the trails when they're full of ice. Um, you know, in the springtime, it's just it's just when you're starting to talk about specific styles of training and how to incorporate those into your into your training regimen. Um, there are some things that need a treadmill. Okay. I'll, I'll relay a, or a, 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 this is how my mind works. I'll relay a story that uh, I was just t telling Carl there the other day is that, um, and this is where I, I was on the weak side. So I was looking outside 
and I was scheduled to run for an hour. And I, I thought it was windy and it was kind of cold. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'll just hit the treadmill. And I just, I didn't even think about it. I said, okay, I'm just going to go and I'm going to hit the treadmill. I jump, throw my shoes on. I run for an hour and I look outside the window where my treadmill is and it's starting to snow. And I thought, oh, that sucks. I'm kind of glad I didn't, I wasn't running outside right now. And, and then my brain went, are you kidding me? Like, did you just say that internally? And I flipped the switch and I said, like, to myself, okay, you have to, you have to beat this thought down right now. I walked out the door after an hour of running, you know, sweating, and I went outside and sat on my, you know, just outside in the pine trees, freezing my butt off because I knew that you let that creep in to your everyday life and it becomes normal because we're all looking for excuses to be soft and to take the easy road. And that's exactly what I did and that was a week ago. But I knew that if I did not take action to beat this thought down, that I was going, it was, not that it was going to be, we're only talking about a run, whether I ran inside or I ran outside. I understand that. But it's the principle that I needed to do for myself to be able to dominate my own mind. And I have to do it every day, just like everybody else does. Yeah. I think the... It's just hard. It is hard. The beauty of that and what you shared, because I'm sure some guys heard this or heard you talk about running four hours a day. And again, they're already going, oh, I don't have time to run four hours a day, nor should I have to run four hours a day, blah, 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 blah. Make it all relative. So like that, whatever that little trigger is in your mind that allows you to skip or to make something easy, it could be vastly different for a listener or for me or for you, Greg. But I, I think that idea of leaning into choosing not always to be comfortable and choosing to push yourself and choosing to give yourself exposure um, and not be soft, that's all relative, but as you continue to make those decisions and just set your life in that direction, then over time things do grow. I mean, you didn't start out running four hours in the Yukon, you know, but that's, that's where you're at these days. Yeah, no, it's, it's small. Like I've been doing what I do now in the Yukon for 20 years. So, and it's taken, you know, it's taken, a lot of years of suffering and working at it and, you know, chipping away, like every little, little bit helps. And you have to, eventually you build this foundation that, that you start to build the, the, you know, the skyscraper on. Um, but you just have to start and there isn't, you're never too old. You're never too, you are, you are literally never too old to start. You know, my father at 70, you know, 72 now, um, you know, he's just harvested two doll sheep in the last three years in, you know, in his 70s. And he had to suffer. Like, if you think that you're that you'll do it tomorrow, maybe you'll do it tomorrow. And maybe this is, you know, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to really let people know that. You can do what you want, and it's never too late. So just make the decision to step toward it right now, and it might be just a small step. It, but just take that small step, because when you do, it's about the process. You feel better about yourself every day, and like I said, you're going to falter. You're going to fall down. It's pick yourself up and just keep going forward. One of the points, actually the second point uh, in a series, again, that we're talking about here, being a better mountain hunter, and I know we're not talking directly about these points, they're all tying together, but that second point you talk about is a mental prep, um, and this clearly relates to what we've been discussing, but I think I know how you'd answer this question, but I just want to make sure we address it very directly. As you talk about mental prep, or let's call it this idea of mental toughness, is that something that someone has or something that someone develops? 
mental toughness is, I believe, is completely developable. Uh, developable. <laughs> it's, you know, we all, it's a product of your environment, certainly. Um, but you can build this. But the only way to build it is like we've been talking about is through difficulty. You can't become mentally tough if you don't put yourself, if you don't make the decision to put yourself in mentally difficult situations. Okay. Um, and it's not something that, you know, that grandpa passed down to you. You may have watched, you know, your grandfather, you may have watched your father and picked up traits that they have. And, but all you have to do is have a, have a, I don't know if you have children, have a few children and see what, uh, you know, or talk to people that do have a number of children and it's, they're vastly different. Yeah. And some kids, some kids pick up on things that you're doing and others have attitudes that, well, I don't really want to do that. Um, but yeah, I think that it's completely buildable. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be on this podcast if I didn't think that I could affect people's lives in a positive way and that, that they could take, take away something that, you know, a hardship that maybe I've put myself into that maybe isn't completely relatable, like a four hour run, but what you're, you're talking about and alluding to is in your own way, just look for it and make the dominating mind change to be able to conquer whatever that situation is because it's all within our power. Right. I'm always curious talking with someone like yourself, hearing about the difficult things that you do, the intense training that you do, the history that you have with adventure racing, for example, you know, we've talked a lot about the work, um, about the effort, about the challenge, about the suffering. What role does rest and recovery and being like quote unquote smart about all this play into your lifestyle that enables you to have done all these things for a long period of time? Um, the rest and recovery piece is, is something that, that is absolutely mandatory. Certainly if you're talking about a physical level, um, but also, you know, to a lesser degree, uh, a mental level, I'm the kind of person that doesn't, I, I don't take on like things don't stress me out, but I think that I don't get highly, I shouldn't say things don't stress me out, but things I don't really sweat the small shit. And when you get to that kind of point, those stressors aren't really that big of a deal. And when you put yourselves in difficult situations like adventure racing, the small things are get put into perspective and they're no longer big things. So you don't stress about them. Um, but as far as this, you know, the rest and recovery from the physical aspect, I usually, um, there's so much more to it than just rest and recovery. It's a, it's a total, uh, there's a total package and it's the right specific physical training along with the right amount of sleep, along with the right diet. And you put those things together and you've, you've just conquered everything. And then you have the, the mental attitude that you can, put yourself in difficult situations as well. It's just such a, for me, it's a total package. It's not one thing or the other. Oh, you need to get eight hours sleep. Um, there's, yes, you do. And that is one thing. If you can, if you can do not eight hours, I shouldn't say, but a lot of people do get eight hours. I'm a six and a half hour guy. Um, I can function at my optimum level on six and a half hours. Um, if I go into the eight hours, it's, it's just too much, but seven, six and a half to seven, one, a day a week, if I'm feeling like, okay, I'm starting to, starting to get a little bit lower. Um, and I would bump it up to say seven uh, hours of sleep to seven and a quarter. Then, um, then that's, that's almost like a recovery day of off training. <laughs> um, I, so I look at sleep like that, that I get what I need to, to get in order to, work out optimally. And then if I'm feeling a little bit, 
a little bit low, like I could use a little bit more sleep, then I'll take a little bit more. Um, but it's absolutely mandatory. Um, then you throw in good food. And now you're fueling the body because this is just a machine. Like this, this thing that we live in is literally just a machine. It's your brain that is, that is driving it all. And if you put good fuel into the machine, you give it proper rest and you work, you work the mind, this thing runs really smooth. Like all you got to do is take a look at, you know, the, the hot, you know, most high functioning people. That's kind of the, kind of what they do. Mm-hmm. They have very strict regimen. They stick to it and they do it day after day. And they just function at, at, at a high level. So it's not rocket science. Right. Yeah. And again, just like, I just keep wanting to reiterate, it's all, I don't want to keep saying it's all relative, but it is a big picture thing and start wherever you are and start making better decisions from wherever you are. And I think this whole idea that a lot of people don't get started because they feel like, as you were saying earlier, maybe they're too old or maybe they're too far gone what it, what it boils down to is people feel like if they can't do everything perfectly, might as well not do anything. And they might hear talking about all these different aspects and feel overwhelmed by it. But man, I just want to encourage people listening to this just in all those areas, whether it's physical activity or just that piece on mental toughness or sleep or nutrition or whatever, like make the next good decision. That's it. Just focus on that. Like make the next good decision. And I think that all just builds upon itself. Yeah. Like when, when you kind of start talking about that, I think about the things that I find or found difficult when we, when we started this television uh, program, you know, I, I really believed that, you know what, if you build this um, because you live in the Yukon, because of the style of hunting that you do, you know, people are going to, are going to love it. And it's just going to, you know, things are going to go great. But the reality is, is that you can have the best product out there. But if nobody knows what you've got, it doesn't exist. So what I had to do was what I didn't want to do is, is I didn't want to have to spend, you know, a significant amount of time on social media because I didn't know that that's where, that's what you had to do to be successful in this world, in this business. And so that was a learning thing for me. Like I, I would rather like, it's great. Now I get a lot of energy from, you know, actually affecting people's lives and, you know, getting positive or negative, you know, comments cause you get it all, but you know, just being impactful is where I'm really enjoying right now because if I can help people out, it started out as just wanting to hunt, right? And wanting to film and it's grown, but I didn't know that it was going to, I didn't know it was going to be such a positive thing on my life because I originally started thinking about the social media aspect was going to be a negative. I was thinking about, so I'm no different than anyone else. We look for the negativity and then sometimes when you work at something that you didn't really want to have to, it turns to a positive and you get these positive things that come into your life that I never anticipated. And that's really what's, what it's all about is, is that even like, yes, I've come from this background of athletics and doing these, what some would consider, you know, crazy things, but I can relay that right back to, everyday life and my fear of social media and my fear of having to, you know, to be a part of that world. And I was afraid, but I'm not anymore. And that's what everybody can, can take away that you may be afraid right now for whatever it is that you want to achieve, but just take the first step and eventually you will beat it down until you own it. And you'll wonder, look back and go, why was I ever afraid of that? Or why didn't I do that sooner? 
And then I, well, I don't like to do that. I don't like to look backwards and go, well, why didn't I? Um, I just like to continue to look forward and, you know, and just kind of make the right decisions. Like you said, one after another, and they just, they build on top of each other and you gain momentum and you win. Yeah. That's great perspective. Um, I was hoping like in this discussion and I'm glad it, it didn't happen. I think this has been an amazing conversation, but I was hoping to hit on these seven points and not that we wanted to dive deep into them all because you're doing that uh, with your series that you're rolling out here. But just to mention one more, you know, we've talked about mental prep, physical prep. Those are two of the seven points. I just would like to touch on one more a little bit and hear some of your thoughts. And one of the points you have on being a better mountain hunter is, um, choosing who you do that with, like, so your hunting partner. Um, and I would love to hear about mm -hmm. that, not just for a hunt on the mountain, but as you relate that to just how you do life with people, because I think that the community that you keep is another key piece to everything we've already discussed. So like you being better, you like you at the next level is only going to happen um, and will either be enabled by or handicapped by the company that you keep. And so just pull from some of your experiences, whether it's what you mentioned with like the adventure racing or hunts or what have you, and talk about the importance of surrounding yourself um, with certain types of people. Yeah, um, that's is, it's such a, a huge point, especially, you know, there's so, there's so many aspects or how to look at this, but in in the big in the big picture looking at it what i do now um certainly when i started out hunting and i was green and i didn't you know i didn't know that much and there it's really it it is difficult to break into um to getting good information from guys that are well experienced because it, it when you come into a place like the yukon and you go into the backcountry you want to know who you're who you're hunting with. You want to know these these people, and you because you're going to be put into difficult situations with them, likely. Um, so surrounding my I for for me right now, I surround myself with people who are number one positive, who have a similar. Uh, work ethic, who ha look at every day that try to look at the positives in every day. And when you surround yourself with people that are positive, hardworking, dedicated, all of the attributes that we want, when you surround, when those are the only people that you're going to uh, have in your, in your group, obviously we have, you know, friends from you know, back home or like friends that you grew up with that may maybe don't have all of those, but they're just good old buddies and, you know, they're like family and it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. And they're always going to be part of your life. But as, as an adult, I really look for people with those kind of attributes that will make me a better person that will, you know, give me things to think about or how I should, you know, how I can change to be better. And that's the education the education piece. Like when I go into the mountains, like we're a small team, like, and we are a completely, uh, I shouldn't say completely different group of people, like, but we are quite specialized in that, you know, we have uh, Dave who just, he's very meticulous. He's, um, he's a perfectionist at, at the, the nuances of film. Um, I'm not that perfectionist. I'm the, you know, kind of the bigger picture thinker. I, I'm always looking for something different. Like let's, and, and then Carl, he's probably the happy medium between both of us. And, um, he, he really is a, a big part of kind of the, the glue that holds, holds us all, all together. But at the same time, we're, when we're in the mountains together, we all have one goal. And that's to, you know, to work hard and to come home not empty-handed. And the other thing is that we want to enjoy being out there together. And 
And I think that we accomplish all of those things. And those are, and that's what, you know, really separates us in a lot of ways from, you know, from, from others is that we are a small group. We're working hard together. We're putting ourselves in difficult situations, scary situations often. Um, and we, we rely heavily on each other. And I, I can't go in the mountains with somebody that doesn't have that style of attitude. This was a team that was, so, so to explain, like Carl, uh, Carl and I have been hunting together now since 2011. And Carl was never uh, a hunter. He actually, Carl and I um, first met during, we were in, in a, a group of friends that went out for runs in the middle of the winter at, you know, minus 30. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, kind of this Sunday social run group that, uh, that I'd never been part of before. Um, but a friend said, hey, come on out. And, you know, my wife and I were just like, yeah, okay, we'll go out uh, for Sunday and we'll go for a run. And this is where I met Carl. So we met through athletics. And, and athletics is, is what we had in common. And then Carl came, I said, hey, you know, you're a fit dude. Like, let's, you look like you're willing to suffer. Like, let's go out and go on a goat hunt. And he was like, okay. And he brought his camera along. He took, you know, we harvested this great goat in late October. So, you know, it's cold. It's, you know, there's snow everywhere. So I put him to the fire straight away and he passed the test. And then we formed, you know, a friendship after that because friendships are built on, you know, commonality and like-mindedness. Um, and then, and it's just grown from there. And it's, it's, it's been amazing. So, and then Dave... Um, who is the the main videographer, um, Dave? He's actually came from uh, Czech Republic, and he we worked together for a number of years. And uh, I saw him, and he's just a hardworking guy who's you know fit. And he started running with uh, my wife and I, and he's got a great endurance base. I started, you know, then I said, hey, why don't you come out and 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 hunt. Actually, I saw some of his video. He made a you know video of his trip across uh, North America with his girlfriend. And I said, that's that's really good stuff. So, what this team that 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 we've built is just grown together because it's really tough to you know to to pull people from three thousand miles away and interject them into the Yukon and say, okay, it's sink or swim time because we don't, because that's exactly what it is. You're thrown into the deep end and you're going to, we're going to find out who you are real quick. So it's almost been a prerequisite to build this team from the, you know, from the foundation. And that's what we've, you know, that's what really I believe is, is the gold of what, of what we have is just, you know, like-minded guys moving together and know each other so well. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Where can uh, where can listeners go find out, see more about what you guys are producing, both the show as well as kind of the series we've been hinting at of being the best mountain hunter? And, you know, we've only, like, scratched the surface on what all that entails and the points that you have and the information and wisdom they have from your experiences. So just kind of... Give us the rundown if guys want to hear more about that series or just check out the show where they should head to. Yeah, so uh, we just kind of launched our, our YouTube channel. And I would really, you know, we would love to have have you guys click over to it and, uh, you know, and subscribe. Because what we're trying to produce or provide is some really good education as to to how I know what works for me and our team. And if if there's something that, you know, a little nuance that we could uh, provide to you that would help you, whether you're after mule deer or elk or, or you're going on a, a sheep hunt or, or whatever, or just really the, the mindset and those kind of things that relate to everyday life. Um, and that YouTube is just Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. Now, same handle for our Facebook and our Instagram um, the television series Greg McHale's Wild Yukon is on the Sportsman channel, 
and that's in the U.S. We'll be airing season two here starting in July. Um, and also in Canada, we're going to be airing this year uh, as well. So, yeah, things are things are really things are great. And I'm not going to complain one bit. There's so much hard work to do. And we really rely, rely on um, on, you know, people's opinions. And if you have any questions, we're just DM us and we'll get uh, get back to you. And we'll try to answer any specific questions that people have in this series of education that we're trying to trying to provide. Yeah, that's great, Greg. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for all that you're doing in terms of sharing these adventures. I think they're helpful and inspirational, but then also just the nitty gritty of sharing your experiences and the, the content that you have there, not based off of I don't know, you know, it's easy not to get on a rant, but it's easy these days to put out information on the internet. But when you have someone doing that where it's backed by true experience um, and then the information is truly valuable, I think that's uh, great resources to have, especially to have for free. So thanks for putting it out there, man. Yeah, no, I I thank you very much uh, for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm, you know, if I can, if there's something that I can do to help uh, that's what I need to be doing. So don't be afraid to, uh, to reach out because we'll, uh, we'll try to do everything we can to, to help you out in any specific questions. That's, uh, yeah, that's great. We appreciate your time. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget, take action. Don't just like be inspired by these theories or ideas. Go do something about it. Check out the links in the show notes to see more about Greg's series, TV show, and the rest of the tips for becoming a better mountain hunter. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button to make sure that you receive future episodes.